The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. In Proverbs 15.33, Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that... uh, our hearts would be longing for the wisdom you have for us, God. I pray that you would uh, humble us to hear what you have to say this morning, that you would just bless Scott as he brings his word, God. Um, let us be wise in whatever stage of life we're in right now, whatever place we're at right now, God. Um, be the king over our knowledge and our wisdom. Uh, Father, we thank you for this morning. In name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you again today. And we're gonna continue talking about the book of Proverbs. And today we're gonna talk about pride. It's a theme that goes all the way through the book of Proverbs and it's an important one for all of us. And what do we do about pride? And the course of this subject, the course of the book, we're talking about how to be wise. And being wise is being able to make good choices in the court and take the right course of action in the great majority of life's decisions that come upon us that don't necessarily have a rule. There's not necessarily some clear moral choice that you have to make at that moment, but you need wisdom in order to make the right decision. Proverbs is a book that tells us about this wisdom, but it can be frustrating because it doesn't give us just a, a technique or a pattern to follow. The book really is telling us and invites us to become the kind of person, beginning with your attitude about God, the kind of person who will make a wise decision. See, if our attitude is right about God and who we are before the Lord and what our mission is, it affects everything else, including our ability to make wise choices. Proverbs says you have to become a certain kind of person in order to be wise. So basically, if you have certain character traits, certain virtues in your life, you can be a wise person. A repeating theme throughout the book is this, is that if you think you're wise, then you're a fool. But if you're aware of your foolishness, you are on your way to becoming wise. Proverbs 16, 19, it says, better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Humility is more valuable, according to the scriptures, than all of the wealth there is. Pride gets in the way of wisdom because it is founded upon a misunderstanding of God and a failure to see other people the way God sees them. Pride also gets in the way of how we see ourselves and gets in the way of us seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Both in the sense of our need for redemption and also pride keeps us from seeing the incredible work that redemption does in our life. So what is pride and what do we need to do about it? You know, the kind of pride we're talking about here is not the kind of pride that you feel, say, for your kids or for somebody that you love, your your parents or somebody that's close to you, your spouse. You have a deep love and affection. I tell my kids I'm proud of them all the time. I think that's important as a father to say I'm proud of you. And I am proud of them. Even when they mess up, I am proud of them. And I'm proud of my my wife and I'm proud of those people who uh, I serve and who I love and my friends. It's not that kind of pride we're talking about. We're also not talking about confidence in ourselves. It's important to be confident in a certain respect. For some people, the idea of having confidence is somehow bad because it means you have pride, but that's not what it means. That's not what pride is all about. This is the kind of pride we're talking about. The sinful pride is the needing to feel like you're better than other people in some way. Sinful pride is to say that somehow I'm better than this other group of people or this other person and I'm placing myself there. Proverbs eleven twelve. it says, whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Deride, it's a word that means belittle or put down or insult. 
It's non-constructive criticism, gossip, and slander. It's when we're doing that. What's the reason we're doing that? Why? It's because of pride. Pride is what somebody does when they deride their neighbor. Neighbor, who is my neighbor, you might ask. Interestingly, this word neighbor in the Hebrew, it comes from the same Hebrew word that's used in Deuteronomy chapter five in the 10 commandments when it says thou shalt not kill. Literally Deuteronomy five says thou shalt not kill your neighbor is literally what that means. It's the same word here. In the Old Testament, neighbor is generally speaking about your fellow Israelite covenant people. And there are plenty of other passages that talk about the foreigner and other people as well. But it's an interesting word to use because Jesus comes on the scene And when he's asked, well, who's my neighbor? He points out that everyone is my neighbor. And then the same, and in the Sermon on the Mount, putting down other people will leave us subject to judgment and hell. So deriding our neighbor, which is anybody else, is actually a pretty big deal. It's actually pretty serious spiritually. Pride is what causes that, and it is a lack of wisdom. When we don't have wisdom about anything, a key symptom is usually pride. We look down at others, we compare ourselves to others, and that is the measurement to which we live our life and make decisions, and that's wrong. We struggle a lot with that today because of social media, because of the type of world we live in where we're just comparing, and we have so much pressure to be like these people, to look like these people. We have entire generations that are suffering because they struggle with the way that they look, and if I can just have these products, or I can just have that body, if I can just have that job, that car, those clothes, whatever it is, I'll be better. Pride is what's behind that. C.S. Lewis, in his great book, Mere Christianity, he writes this about pride. He says, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It's the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. That's a great definition of pride. We practice pride in our life all the time. And what we're doing when we are being prideful is we're padding our own resume, uh, our resume that we want to post, not for employers or to get into some school. You have to talk about yourself to do that. But what I'm talking about is the resume that we put on for other people or for God, the resume that we try to put out about ourselves and who we are and how much better we are than somebody else, why we're the right candidate to be liked over another person just based upon our own view of ourselves that's pride. One writer says this, that pride consumes us with an endless litigation in our head, where we're constantly thinking about how we compare to other people. It's like you're always in the courtroom, he says, always on trial and always looking for a verdict that says, I am a person who counts, I'm okay, I'm somebody now, I'm in print, things are gonna start happening to me now. Every human being needs to somehow prove that they are somebody. The easiest way to do this is to find people that you think you're better than and compare yourself to them and even let them know about the difference. Look at those people over there. We are so much cooler than them. We are so much smarter than them. We're so much more intelligent than them. We're open-minded, enlightened, woke, cultured, whatever the idea is that, that makes one group of people seem smarter than the others, that's who we are. And that's the sin of pride right there. It's all about our need to feel better about ourselves compared to other people. That's pride. Ultimately, pride needs to take God's place in your own life. That's what pride does, it replaces God. The word pride, there are several Hebrew words for pride. In 1525, it says, the Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. 
The idea here is the Lord takes down the house of the one who thinks that he is above others. The one who thinks that he can just steal or set the rules or take from other people and thinks he has that kind of supreme authority because of how he judges himself. The word proud here literally means one who thinks they are the supreme authority. Basically one who thinks they're God. You wouldn't normally say that of yourself in your own pride, but that's what the Hebrew is getting at here because you're replacing God. This is how sinister pride actually is. C.S. Lewis would also write this. He would say, it was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. It's pretty heavy stuff. Every human heart wants to be a supreme being or call the shots. You know, the vices that we have in our life most of those have some kind of temporary moments of pleasure. That's why we get stuck in those things. Lust is something that can feel good and even bring people together in a relationship until the pride of the selfishness behind that lust causes great harm to the relationship, which it eventually does. It is the pride in us that says, I can partake in this activity and not suffer the consequences like other people. I've known people like that. Maybe that's you who've literally said, well, it won't happen to me. That's pride. It's a spiritual problem, and it leads to unwise living. So what does pride do? Well, the Bible talks about how destructive it is. Proverbs 16, 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. It doesn't say it might lead to destruction. It might say if you have pride, maybe there's destruction coming. It says destruction is coming right after the pride. That's where it leads. Proverbs 13, 10, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Prideful people tend to think that they know it all. They don't listen or speak the truth. They determine their own truth and then they act on it. Ever work with somebody who thinks that they know it all, who thinks that they can never be wrong? Maybe you're married to that person. Isn't it wonderful to be married to or have a friend or a boss who's never wrong? No, it's not wonderful. It's terrible. And maybe you're that person who can just never be wrong. I promise you. That pride is damaging your relationships. It's irritating. Eventually, your whole family or your whole team collapses because the know-it-all won't listen. That happens everywhere. And by the way, an interesting thing is if you have a low self-esteem, that's also a sense of pride. Maybe you haven't thought of it that way, but if you're still concentrating on, you're still concentrating on yourself and you feel like a failure and you're doting on yourself, you're self-absorbed and just the same as somebody with a superiority complex. You see, you're still in court and you're in your mind, you're still on trial, and you're still working on your resume, except that you're losing the case all the time. You're self-absorbed, you are always getting rejected for jobs, but you're still all about yourself. You see, pride not only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found. Pride breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Pride leads to arguments, relationship problems, because the proud person won't learn from mistakes or listen to others. The proud person does not see themselves as God sees themselves or sees others as God sees others. Proverbs 11:2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 21:4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked produce sin. Wisdom is correctly identifying the realities of life and being able to make a decision based upon those realities. Pride is something that distorts the reality of your life. It distorts the reality of whatever situation you're in or the reality of how you view yourself or how God views you or how you view others or how God views them. When you're in this distorted reality, everything has to be blamed on other people and it can't possibly be your fault. 
or you can't possibly have contributed to it in some way. It makes you see things as personal that aren't personal at all. It makes you focus on the self rather than on others, which makes other people not like you very much. You have to maintain your image as a person better than other people in order to maintain your pride, and that becomes how you live your life. It distorts your view of reality, and in the end, you end up making terrible decisions, and you don't even see them coming. Wisdom is discovering and living according to reality, and that means we have to deal with our pride. Proverbs 28, 26, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. There are spiritual realities when it comes to pride. Proverbs 16, 5, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Proverbs 15, 25, the Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. Proverbs 16, 19, better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. You see, it's an incredibly important theme. Reality is that God loves the widow, the poor, the orphan, the foreigner, the weak. God loves the people who have lost in this life. He is for them. He is behind them. He doesn't put them down. He loves them. You see, there's a theological idea here too going on. We believe in the Trinity, one God and three persons. And the idea here is that each person of the Trinity gives glory to the others. It's the essence of who God is. If you are in the business of getting glory for yourself and not giving glory, you are on a collision course to how you are made in the image of God. We are made to give it away, just the way God is made in doing that himself among the Trinity, among his person. We're on a collision course with the fabric of God himself when we want to be prideful. Eventually what's gonna happen, the scriptures tell us is that God is going to lift up the humble and put down the proud. Lift up the weak and put down the strong. If your goal in life is to prove yourself, to get glory, to get recognition, you're on a collision course with God and the reality of the universe. Pride leads to destruction spiritually. So what do I do about it? We all struggle with this in one way or another. Proverbs 15:33. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. So how do we deal with pride? For the kind of glory that is only for the humble, this is, this is how we deal with pride. Find the kind of glory that is only for the humble and use the gospel to erode your pride. You find the kind of glory that is for the humble and you use the gospel to erode your pride. Humility comes before honor, it means this, the word for honor in, in Hebrew is a word meaning supreme glory. The humble don't see themselves as the most important. Only if you are not after importance can you get a glory that lasts forever, which is an interesting idea, that only if you're not seeing yourself as the most important will you get an importance that lasts forever. People who are sure that they are not important get an importance that lasts forever. In the gospel, you have the glory of eternal life, the glory of spiritual giftedness, the glory of being called a child of God, this is the glory that isn't attained or argued for or earned. It's a gift. It's a gift that you get from the Lord. It's an amazing thing in the Bible that God is always using the unworthy, the unexpected person and the humble person to do great things. You see, when, God, when this God came into the world, he came in as a poor man. He was born, born in a feeding trough. He lived a life in poverty, homeless most of the time, gets betrayed and denied and beaten and dies and you know what, that was his goal. Let's say that your goal in life is that in 2000 years, people remember you a certain way. And you think to yourself, I would like to be remembered in 2000 years to be one of the most influential people ever to have lived. 
and have entire civilizations built upon my teaching? What would your life look like? What do you think you should do? Would you do anything that Jesus did? I mean, would you be born in obscurity? Would you avoid getting involved in political or academic networks? Would you get killed tragically before your life is even half over? Would you think that that is the way to become the most influential person in history? No. You see, Jesus makes foolish the wisdom of the world. And when we think the wisdom of the world is the way to accomplish things, we're full of pride and we are wrong. Jesus is the wisdom that is the way to accomplish things. What if Jesus had done things the way we would have done it? Well, then he might have been some kind of great philosopher, but then only the smartest people would get saved because they'd be the only ones who really understand. Or maybe he did things through great strength, but then only the strong could follow him and the weak and the struggling just wouldn't be able to live up to him. You see, you don't, what's an interesting thing is you don't see many people around the world starting studies about Plato. You can take a class, you can take a class on Socrates and some of the other great thinkers of the world, but you don't have groups of people coming together to worship Plato and have little Plato studies with their friends in their houses. You don't see that. But you see people in every country of the world getting together to study the Bible, to study who Jesus is, to worship him, somebody who didn't do things the way anybody else would have done it according to worldly wisdom. He makes foolish the wisdom of the world. Jesus came and he achieved salvation through humility. He came and he lived the life that you and I are too weak to live. He died the death that you and I refuse or used to refuse to admit that we even deserved. No matter who you are, or what you've done, if you believe that Jesus has done this for you and if you ask God to accept you and you, not for what you have done, but for what Jesus has done, then you have something, you have this great gift. And what happens is God gives you the perfect resume, the resume you're working on in your mind, the feeling that you have that you need to be important. You discover that God has given you importance, that you are tremendously important because you are a child of God, that you are this already because of the gospel, because Jesus came and he died for you. You already have this. And you see, it takes a lot of humility to accept that. It takes a lot of humility to accept that I can't earn this for myself, that I'm not actually better than anybody else, that there's not somebody who is less or more deserving than me, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. And you are one of those whoevers, me too. Our salvation is not based on our performance at all. Have you ever received a gift that was kind of insulting where somebody gave it to you in all seriousness, but you were insulted by it? There used to be a website where you could actually give people certain gifts that would help them with hygiene and other things. It was called getaclue.com. The idea is, is that maybe the guy in the cubicle next to you is just smelly, like bad, bad body odor and just every day destroying the office. You couldn't eat lunch, it was terrible. Well, what you could do is instead of just telling him and trying to help him out, which you should do, you could actually go to this website and anonymously send him a note along with some deodorant and some body freshener or whatever it was, shampoo. And it was called getaclue.com. The website's gone now probably for obvious reasons, but that would be a gift that that person needed, but it would be very insulting, right? Well, the thing is about insulting gifts is that sometimes you do need them, but you can't accept the insulting gift without some humility. You have to be humble in order to get the glory of the insulting gift. In the gospel, you are so sinful and prone to evil and you are flawed and, you are noth and nothing less than the death of the Son of God can save you. That's the idea. And some say this idea is primitive and insulting. How can that be? Well, that means you don't have the humility to accept it. The thing is, is that this gift can only be accepted through humility. That's the path here. You have to admit that you need it and it takes great humility to get the honor of the bestowance of salvation and grace 
and mercy that the Lord has given you. You see, the importance that you're looking for, the battle that's going on in your head in that courtroom, it's resolved by Jesus Christ, who is your advocate, who says to you, you are important and I died for you. And now you're part of my family. And I'm actually, while I'm gone, I'm preparing a place for you. And while I'm gone, I've sent my spirit to be with you, to gift you, to give you a reason to be on mission, to live this life and to grow spiritually. See, every person living right now, every person seeing this right now has this opportunity by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you know him, you're important. You've been brought into his family. This is the solution to pride. It's putting Jesus first. It's putting his kingdom first. This is what you do is you humble yourself and you realize that your purpose in this life is to help other people know who Jesus is. And other people are not more or less deserving than you. And it puts you in a great place. Here's some takeaways for you. Number one, let go of your pride and get your heart right before God. The problem for many of us is that we find ourselves back in the courtroom, that even after we accept Jesus, we find ourselves back in the courtroom and we're still comparing ourselves to others. We're still working on that resume. And you know, and I'm still trying to convince other people that I count, but God wants you to know that you count and you are loved by him and no one can take that away. Instead, focus on letting other people know that they count. They count because they're made in the image of God and God loves them and Jesus Christ died for them. You see, and if you are getting yourself right before God, you do some stuff. Is there somebody in your life you need to forgive? Well, forgive them. Just do it. Because the most important thing is that you live right before God and that they get to know God. Do those things. Tell them that you forgive them. Encourage other people. Spend time building them up and don't deride anybody. Build up people and point people to the joy that is in Christ. This way of life beats down pride. This way of life is humble. This way of life brings you the glory that you have through Christ and not glory that is done by anything that you've earned yourself. And that glory is eternal. It is forever. Focus on letting other people know that they count before God. Secondly, listen to advice. Even when you think you know it all, even when you think you've got all the answers, you've got to get advice. You have to. You know, if you want to get a book published, maybe some of you are writing a book or you're writing something, you really like to get it published. You know, the best advice I think that you might get is this, get an editor. Let somebody else go into what you wrote and edit it so that a publisher might like it. Most people who write something that's publishable and worthy of it that don't get published, it's because they refuse to let anybody edit it because they say, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm the one who wrote it, don't change it. You gotta let other people help you and you've gotta get advice. You know, the thing is, is that when you make sure that the advice you're getting from other people is coming from godly people, people who are also on the path of wisdom, that's who you should seek out in your life. It's not about publishing a book, but maybe it's about making a decision about marriage or making a decision about your kids or education or what job to get, where you're gonna move. Pride helps us make the wrong decision but advice helps us make the right decision. Advice from godly people who are on the path of wisdom. Seek those people out and listen to their advice. And lastly, make sure that you pray and worship the Lord. You know, the biggest hindrance to prayer and worship is pride. Did you know that? I don't like the way the prayer or worship is being done, so I just won't participate. Or I know what I'm doing and I don't need to pray about it. I don't need God's help. I don't need to participate in that. That's for weak people. That's for people who don't know what they're doing, who just need to cry out. I don't need to do that. That's pride. And you know what it says? Scriptures say that following that pride is destruction. 
It's destruction in your relationship with God. You've gotta be in prayer and you've gotta be crying out to the Lord and praising him and thanking him when it turns out you're right, thanking him for being a blessing in your life or whatever it is. What you need to know is that the verdict that you're dealing with in your head, it's already in. And Jesus Christ is the one that your life is about. That's the way it's been the whole time. You are set free and you can praise God for who you are in him at all times and everywhere. See, when you recognize that, when you're praying, praising God and you're praying and you're worshiping, it puts you in the right frame of mind to know who you are in the family of God and to know what your job is in the family of God, to go and make disciples, to love other people, to love your enemies, to love the people that God has placed in your oikos, in your house, and to be humble enough to make sure that you are able to lift people up just the same way that Jesus did, to consider other people more important than yourself, to give of yourself to others, to follow Jesus in the way of life that we're called to live. These things are eternal. This is the kind of humility that has an eternal glory that comes from God that is with you permanently when you believe in Jesus. Hey, if you wanna know more about who this Jesus is and how you can have that eternal glory, would you contact us here? We would love to hear from you. Go to gracecitysd.com slash live stream and you can fill out a form right there and tell us who you are. Ask your questions, we'd love to comment and uh, hear your comments and to follow up with you. We'd love for you to know who Jesus is. We'd love to help you deal with the pride in your life, to realize that you are loved by God, that you are important, that the case has already been finished at the cross. And what you need to do is, is receive the verdict that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. We'd love to help you do that. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word again and how practical it is in our life. God, we live in an era where we compare ourselves to everything and everybody. Lord, I pray that we would all deal with our pride, that we would be humble in recognizing that we are all loved by God, that we all need a savior and that savior is Jesus Christ, that he is the only savior available and that your word is true, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God, help us to really know this in our life, to know that you love us and that you care about us and that we are important to you, that you are our advocate, that we don't need to prove ourselves to you or to the world. You've already died for us. You've already given us the gift of salvation. It is free. Make us humble enough to accept it and humble enough to know that we're invited into your plan to give you glory and to do that in all of our relationships. God, I pray for those who are struggling right now with these kinds of issues from high self-esteem and pride or low self-esteem and pride. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us and help us to see our neighbor the way you see them and that we would have great joy and passion and life through that. We thank you, Lord, for this. We thank you for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.